And I see people over investing in courses that teach them how to write copy that converts. They've over invest in their skills. And most people that I see come through the group or that I hire are very hyper-focused on becoming better at email copywriting or whatever. And it's like, really, their skill set is fine. And you can, in my opinion, you can go on YouTube and find free content that's going to teach you pretty much anything. But it's like the mindset and beliefs that they carry with themselves, that's the tipping point, right? So someone is maybe caught in the cycle of overtraining on these skills that they already have as a way to procrastinate going all into their freelance business because there's a fear that they haven't addressed yet or there's some kind of limiting belief stopping them from going all in and they're using these courses as a way to procrastinate pretty much. So <laughs> the people who I see excel the fastest just go into it, make mistakes quickly, learn quickly, evolve. Don't take things personally, learn how to take criticism and feedback, and also learn how to value their worth. Welcome to the Paid Copywriter Podcast for free thinkers and introverts who just don't fit the nine to five mold and want to break free and start a business of one. I share all of the tips, strategies, and behind the scene fails of how I transitioned from a nine to five career to freelance writing despite having no experience. So if you want to learn all things copywriting, persuasion, psychology, and marketing, make sure you subscribe or follow whether you're listening to this on podcast or YouTube. Okay, Amy, why don't we start off by you just introducing yourself, what you do, and some of that high-level stuff. Okay, great. My name is Amy Leisner, and I am an agency owner and freelance copywriter and coach and mentor. In human design, I'm a manifesting generator, so if you know anything about that, that means we have a lot of things going on. So it's always funny, like, who are you? What do you do? It's like, where do I begin? But that being said, I... I never know how to do these without starting way at the beginning. So I was born oh. and raised in central Wisconsin <laughs> and I went to school in Chicago and I actually went to school for dance. So I have a dance background. And then from Chicago, I moved over to LA, the LA area, and I was a traveling preschool dance teacher. And then I was kind of managing a territory for that company. And that's where I discovered marketing. I was like, wow, when my flyers and everything's in my schools look really nice and I'm leaving thoughtful notes to parents, more kids sign up for my classes. Well, this marketing thing is interesting. Traveling preschool dance teachers don't make tons of money. So I went back to school for advertising and that's where I discovered copywriting. It was just a required course, a class. The advertising degree was geared towards graphic designers to be art directors, but we had one copy class and I thought I was going to be learning about copyright law. <laughs> That's how little I knew about it. And then I got in there and I, wow, like it's, it's writing the ads and this is great. And it's also for me, copywriters are a lot of the big idea people too. Um, big campaigns it seems to be the copywriters that have the big vision. And I love that, the high level concept for ads. And I've always been just a talented writer. As a dance major, I wanted to be maybe a dance critic or something. So it was an easy transition into copywriting. Graduated there and then went to work for a company called Discount Dance Supply. And if anyone's been in dance at all their whole life, they know that company. So I worked at a corporate office with doing their social media, running their blogs. I did some traveling with them to different conferences. And then I wasn't fully fulfilled there. And I thought, surely I wanted to work in an agency, right? That's what I saw all these people doing was working in an ad agency. And so I found some agencies to work at, still wasn't happy, found other agencies to work at, was getting more miserable. And then finally it was like, I am not an employee. I don't belong in corporate. 
I'm a freelancer. I'm an entrepreneur. So that's when I went to my boss at the time. And I was like, Hey, I did end up at an agency that was really wonderful. And they're still one of my clients, but I asked him, you know, could I switch from employee to freelancer? And he said, yes. And then that's where I was able to really pour into my freelance business, which I've had since 2018 and has recently evolved into an agency and an entirely new niche. So here we are. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I meet a lot of people who worked, worked in agencies as copywriters and they are afraid to take the leap and go full-time freelance, which is interesting because you would think, hey, if you're doing copywriting for an agency, you are pretty much very experienced and you know what you're doing, but it can be really hard to take that leap from being within a company and being an employee to going out and doing it on your own. What was the biggest challenge you had in terms of making that transition from working at an agency as an employee and then becoming a full-time freelance writer? Probably not working for myself. So I was working nine to five in an agency and I didn't want that. I wanted to have the freedom of a freelancer and all these things. I had never been a freelancer before. Entrepreneurship was not even on my radar. I was taught, you know, you go to school, you get a job, you retire. That's the whole thing. So now all of a sudden I'm a freelancer entrepreneur and I was still putting the same restrictions and confines on my schedule as working in a company. So I wasn't even that much happier per se in that freelancing role right away. There was a much sharper learning curve to being that freelancer and being that person who I saw, you know, these people like the laptop lifestyle and people working on the beach. And it's not like you flip a switch, at least for me, I couldn't just flip a switch and be like, okay, I'm free now. And I can go work at a coffee shop or whatever. I was still at my desk by nine, taking a break at noon finishing up at five. And I was working with a business coach at the time and I was crying, was stressed out about something. And she's like, well, you're just putting these restrictions on yourself, just like that was on you in your agency. So unlearning that and playing around with the freedom you actually have and the control you actually have in your time and your schedule, setting boundaries with clients. That was the most surprisingly challenging thing about switching to freelance. Wow. So I thought you were going to say the getting clients piece and the generating business piece, because that's where a lot of people struggle, but I'm so glad you went in that direction with like unlearning the corporate structure, because that is something that I did struggle with and I'm still kind of struggling with. So I started freelancing in 2019, I believe. So right around the time, same time as you, I left a full-time job, but I was in sales. So I wasn't even doing anything marketing related at that point. And Amy, literally just two or three months ago, I'm going to say, I stopped setting an alarm. So I've been freelancing for years now, full time, but I always kept that same structure of wake up at 6 a.m., get to work, sit down. And I just hit a point recently where I'm like, wait, I made the decision that I'm not taking calls before one o'clock or before 12 o'clock in the afternoon, which was always my biggest pet peeve was having to get on calls and talk to people in the morning before I was ready and became a human. So if I don't have those calls, why am I still waking up at 6 a.m. and putting myself in this rigid schedule? So just recently I stopped setting an alarm. I just wake up naturally. And that was something I had read about in Tim Ferriss, you know, four hour work week. It's so funny how you have to break out of that mold. But at the same time, that mold probably helps you succeed because it gives you some discipline and structure, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think you kind of have to earn it in a way. I wasn't stressed about clients necessarily. I'm sure I was, but my 
agreement was that I still had that agency. And prior to me making that switch, I had built up some side hustle clients. So there was a cushion there. So I'm not a take a leap person. (laughs) I need to have some type of structure foundation in place for me to feel comfortable enough to go for it. I love that you segued into freelancing by turning your agency job into a client. If people could do that, they would feel so much more comfortable taking the leap into full-time freelance because you have that business built in. And then you now you know you're just filling in the nooks and crannies to up your income for hustling for clients off the bat, which is where most people start. Right. Yeah. There was a time when I was quote unquote hustling for clients, but it never really felt that way because I just have learned to not be available for certain stressors, you know? So sometimes I'm just in a more active biz dev phase of my freelance job. Sometimes I am blocking off an hour or two a day for biz dev. I'm cold emailing, which you're the queen of. (laughs) I've used your scripts. (laughs) They work. (laughs) But, and then other times it's more of a flow. And most of my business has been built on referrals too, you know? So that's another thing with this gig is there are no rules and we've been taught a lot. We've been conditioned certain ways. And then it is the unlearning of all that and really forging your own path is when you're going to find that quote unquote success that you probably see on Instagram. Right. Tell me about referrals. Do you do anything to actively drum them up or do you feel like clients just do it on their own? And I asked because I feel I've never been the type of writer who gets these like magical referrals. It has happened, but I have built most of my business with cold outreach. And sometimes when I hear other people talk about the fact that they get all these referrals, I'm like, do I suck? Because I don't feel people refer me that often. Or do you have some referral trick where you're asking for it? I don't think I necessarily ask for it when I have a really clear and specific niche. And trust me, I have gone through probably half a dozen niches in the five years I've been in business. But just for example, my most recent one, I was a copywriter for coaches. So that's a really easy, you know, field to be kind of known in. And then if you go that route, you can be even more specific, like health coaches, wellness coaches, whatever. But by making that clear in my outward marketing, who I serve, then it just became really top of mind, easy for coaches. And I'm also friends with a lot of coaches, but it became easy for them to just refer people my way. Just, yeah, we want things that are simple and easy. So if you can go all in on a niche and then you just make it the obvious choice for someone to send people your way, I think that's one of the best ways to get referrals. So you might feel like, you're talking to yourself a bit if you're doing social media marketing, for example, but just really speaking to that ideal client in your marketing, showing up as consistently as possible. And then people scroll and they don't necessarily read everything. They don't necessarily consciously pick up on what you're doing, but their subconscious is going to notice, oh, she's the go-to person for beauty industry or whatever. So just making that niche really clear, I think is a great way to get referrals. Yeah. And do a good job. (laughs) Like people pass up that part too. But if you're serving quality products and you're going above and beyond and you're just a really good copywriter, you're reliable, you figure stuff out on your own, like that alone is going to bring you referrals. For sure. For sure. And that's something I focus on a lot in my courses, how to do a good job for your existing clients so that you can continue to get work from them on like a retainer basis versus constantly having to go out and start from scratch. But I want to go back to what you said about niche, because you said you've had several niches. I feel like this is one of the hottest topics in our space, freelance copywriting. 
because some people say you should not have a niche. I'm the opposite. I say you should have a niche, but I like what you said that you've had several different niches. Walk me through your history with that. Yeah. So when I first started, I wanted to write for local small businesses. That was my niche. And I did cold outreach. I just went on Google and I found all these small businesses I'd want to work with and then made my little spreadsheet with their emails and would reach out that way. And then I narrowed that down to the restaurant industry. I wanted to just focus on restaurant industry. And then I wasn't gaining traction on that. I gave it a good go. I give it a few months and then I'm going to pivot. And I don't even remember where I went to after that, but it was probably more coaches, entrepreneurs, that space, because that was a lot of the content I was consuming. So then it felt good to focus on that. It just kind of made sense. It was easy. So I stuck with that probably the longest and then kind of got burnt out on that. And so switched way over to left field with the dance industry now. And I like to say that having a niche is the best way to get referrals, make yourself known. It's easy to show people your Instagram profile, for example, as a resume even, but also when you're growing your business, You're not in a season yet, in my opinion, of saying no to projects that are slightly out of your niche. You know, if if behind the scenes, someone's like, hey, can you help me with this has happened to me? My friend's family owns a plumbing company. They needed help with their website. I wrote their website. Is that my niche? No. (laughs) Did anyone have to know that I wrote this website for them? No. Did they pay me well for it? Yeah, that's fine. You can have both is kind of where I stand on the niche debate. Yes. And I think people have this fear that they're going to be boxed in, but you do get those opportunities that come to you that are not squarely in your niche. Like for me, I started off broad as B2B technology, and then I got even more narrow down into like sales enablement software companies, but that did not stop the marketing technology companies from reaching out to me. When they see you're in some type of sphere, they will come to you even if they see you have a very defined expertise. I think when you start narrowing down even more, you just become that more compelling to the clients that you are trying to target. So yeah, maybe those, maybe you're just applying to, like you said, Russ restaurant copywriting positions and they see that that's your specialty suit that raises your profile and makes you more marketable because you have that niche, but it doesn't detract inbound interest. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're not blocking yourself by that. You're actually expanding what you're open to bringing in. Right. Which seems counterintuitive, but it does. (laughs) I want to talk to you about your copywriting experience and your journey within the coaching space, because I swear, Amy, this is the number one, I don't know where it comes from, but this is the number one niche that students that come to me want to pursue. And I am in such a black and white rigid niche, which is B2B technology. There are certain norms in this industry. It's different than the coaching industry. It requires a different voice and tone. I believe it's probably a different type of sale versus me getting a B2B tech client is probably going to be a lot different than getting coaching clients. Can you peel back the curtain and give us the lowdown on writing for coaches, course creators, entrepreneurs? Yeah. People are not going to like my answer. If a coach is, coaches are personal brands, right? They are selling themselves as the product. A lot of coaches have amazing courses and they put out a lot of content. And I feel that it's a bit out of integrity to have a copywriter come in and write content for them from scratch, right? From a blank page 
write me something. I don't think that's in alignment with the people they're serving because they're supposed to be serving up their knowledge and their expertise. That being said, why I loved working with coaches so much as a copywriter and content creator and content organizer, basically, is that they have this wealth of content that you can pull from and repurpose. And that does take a copywriter skill. It takes someone who knows the industry, who knows marketing to watch a coaching call, let's say, and know that, hey, this riff that this coach just went on for five minutes is going to be an amazing email, or this one is going to be an amazing caption. And you're transcribing it at first, and then you're going in and crafting it into a nice, you know, caption or whatever it is. But it's not like a, I'm going to hire you and you're going to work from scratch. And if it is, I don't know if I agree with that. But the opportunity for copywriters and for me, why it's so fun too, is you find these coaches who you would like to sign up for their programs and you get access to all their stuff. You get access to all their programs or courses to create content from that. So that is, I think, one of the draws. And then there's also the obvious the income piece of it. Some coaches are making a really high income. And so they also know the value of copywriting and content because that's how they built their business and they were doing it themselves before. So they understand how much time this takes, how much of a pain it can be sometimes when you'd rather be focusing on you being the visionary of your business. So yeah, there's so much opportunity there. It's also a lot of big personalities in the coaching space. You have to have a thicker skin. I feel like with a lot of these, they're powerful, successful women that you're working with or that I've worked with, you know, and they are, they do take pride in their work and all those things. So it's an interesting thing to do to be a copywriter for coaches. It sounds pretty glamorous and luxurious, but when you get in there, it's kind of like any other client, but you get the added value of their teachings. If you find the really good ones, which has been a fun little bonus for me, but it's not a, I'm going to write you a sales page from nothing to sales page. You have to be sourcing from what they already have. For sure. Do you find that going about finding those clients is difficult for copywriters. I know you said you kind of have a network of coaches, so it's been easy for you to get referrals. But my assumption is that if you're just starting out as a copywriter, brand new, the course creator and entrepreneur space might be a little bit difficult because it's probably built a lot on those referral, word of mouth referrals and trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've gotten some from just applying, which was kind of random and rare, but even starting in at, I don't want to say lower level, but if you see a coach that you really want to work with and you see if they're looking for like a VA or something like that, just to get in there and kind of work your way up, that's a really good opportunity if you're new. I think building up skill sets and maybe a few other places before you get into the high level coaches. That being said, if you see someone post a job opening on Instagram or LinkedIn and you want to work with them, obviously always apply. You really want it. Forget the list of their requirements, quote unquote, because that's just a wish list. Someone told me that once and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Because when you're new, you're like, well, how am I supposed to have five years experience doing this? And it's an entry level position that doesn't make any sense. That's because it's a wish list. So if there's one thing on there you can do and you're excited about the position, always apply. I think you have to put your reps in a little bit with before you're going to get those big high level coaches. But that being said, there are mid-level, I don't know, everyone's it's important and special but there are some newer coaches that might be open to a more junior copywriter because they might not have the budget for that big copywriter as well. So be like open to those opportunities too, to just kind of get your practice. And then coaching community is so small, then you'll start getting bounced around to other people. Yeah. I love what you said about apply for the role, even if you don't look qualified, because that's so true. Just 
And they say that men are are better at that than women. There's a statistic that like men will apply for roles if they fit just this tiny little criteria, but then women will take that at face value and be like, oh, I don't qualify for this. I'm not experienced enough. And they won't even apply. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we do that too often where we think we need to hit every bullet when really we can learn as we go. We can lean on the person hiring us for extra support. So I want to underscore that. And I do love the VA approach that you took because I think not every coach is at the, the point in their business where they have a designated copywriter. I think you have to be at a certain income level to have that role on your team. A lot of coaches just start out with, hey, I need help with social media posts and some VA activities, but copywriting is involved. So if you can Mm -hmm. get in on that ground level and blow them away because you're a good writer, then eventually you're only getting the experience in the portfolio that you can show to other people, but you're like, you could grow with that coach and become their writer, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I have an agency now and I have some contractors working for me and one in particular I hired as a VA, right? Just had her and she turns out to be a really good writer. And those are unicorns. First of all, if you can find someone who knows their way around like email software and can also do some graphics in Canva and can also write copy. That is amazing. That is such a valuable skill. And I would arguably say the copywriting piece is the most hard, the hardest part of all that anyone can copy and paste into an email software. But if you can also craft the email itself and do all that stuff too, that is so valuable. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of hiring a VA for the first time. I'm building out my standard operating procedures. So we need to talk offline about that. If you have any referrals for me, I would love that. But I agree because it is hard to get someone with both skill sets. Me personally, as a copywriter, if somebody said, Hey, go into my email software and set this up, I'm not doing it. I'm not in implementation. I'll write the words, but then you got to find someone. So it is hard to find someone who's good at both. And speaking of your agency, this is what I want to get into. So you have a popular Facebook group. You have an agency where you hire writers. Tell me about the patterns or the trends you see in terms of what makes someone excel as a freelance writer what are those traits that they have in common? And what are the downfalls where you see people just get stuck struggling? It always goes back to mindset. And I see people over-investing in courses that teach them how to write copy that converts. They over-invest in their skills. And most people that I see come through the group or that I hire, mostly that come through the group, are very hyper-focused on becoming better at email copywriting or whatever. And it's really, their skill set is fine. And you can, in my opinion, you go on YouTube and find free content that's going to teach you pretty much anything. But it's the mindset and beliefs that they carry with themselves. That's the tipping point, right? So someone is maybe caught in this cycle of over-training and over-teaching on these skills that they already have as a way to procrastinate going all into their freelance business because there's a fear that they haven't addressed yet or there's some kind of limiting belief stopping them from going all in and they're using these courses as a way to procrastinate pretty much. So (laughs) the people who I see excel the fastest, just go into it, make mistakes quickly, learn quickly, evolve. Don't take things personally, learn how to take criticism and feedback and also learn how to value their worth and know their numbers. I was just on a call with someone who wants to reach a certain goal in their business. 
wants to work a certain number of hours a week, but hadn't done the math yet to learn what that hourly rate would be. And it doesn't mean you have to charge per hour. It's just in your head, when you're coming up with your proposals and your packages, if you want to reach this goal, you can't be charging this much and working this many hours. The math doesn't math. So (laughs) I think focusing more on mindset and knowing your numbers and having a niche to start out with, those are the three things that the people of that kind of unlock. I see them move up faster. Yes. And this is something I teach as well is setting your income goal first and then working backward. And what's interesting is that any business would understand that at like a gut level of, Hey, I'm not going to survive as a business. If I'm not making X, just a general business, whether you're a gym, a restaurant, here's our operating costs. And we need to generate a certain amount of revenue in order for us to continue. But as freelancers, for some reason that doesn't compute. And we get on these calls with clients and they start lowballing and we're like, okay, yeah, I just really want the opportunity. No, you can't afford to take that opportunity. Cause this is what I always say. It's that, okay, fine. You take that low rate. Cause you really wanted that client. Instead of celebrating that, I would look at how much work now you're going to have to do in order to meet that income goal. So if that client doesn't fill that that square to a large enough extent, you need to find clients to backfill mm-hmm. so that you make the income goal. So I really love that you said that and I want to underscore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And something I didn't realize when I first started out was we pay our own taxes. <laughs> we pay our own business supplies, like going from corporate to being a freelancer. It's all those little things that you don't really take into consideration. And I proposed my own hourly rate for the agency that I left with for freelance. And I lowballed myself so bad, like so bad. I had no clue what I was doing. I just did the math in my head. Like if I make this much per hour, then I'm still making this salary, but I didn't factor in any of that other stuff. And I told my husband and he's like, you asked for what? (laughs) It's like, well, I don't know. Like, (laughs) but luckily down the line, I I like, you know, got asked for a raise, which is nice because you have, you know, that authority as a freelancer to be like, you know, you can ask for a raise or a change in agreement pretty much whenever you want to a certain extent. But yeah, like don't feel bad if at first there's a lot of learning curves because you're just going to learn. But like I said, the sooner you put yourself out there, there's like, there's no, what is it? It's a phrase in NLP. It's like, you can't fail. You Oh, there's no failure, only feedback. You're just learning. It's you're just collecting data and then do a little better the next time. I love that. There's no failure, only feedback. I that that goes perfectly with kind of like the trial and error pricing that I used in order to get my rates to what they are. It's like I would get on calls with clients and if I spit my rate out and they said, "Okay, yeah, that's fine." I'm like, "Hmm, maybe I could have gone a little further then." So, or if I get on a call and someone's like, oh, that's out of my budget. Okay, fine. Go to the next client. Let's see what their reaction is. It's like, there's, it's all just feedback. And unfortunately, what I see with new freelancers is that they go into these calls so tense and with so much riding on that one call, like, oh my God, I finally got someone to answer. And now we're getting on a call and I need this client. The minute you say, I need this client, you're fucked. Excuse my language. Because the power dynamic is completely off balance. We're not employees like begging for a certain salary and negotiating that way. We're a service provider. We're saying, here's the price. And and of course there's some room for negotiation and creating packages and getting creative, but I don't know if it should be this haggling. Right. 
I think that's off-putting and that gives a like weird energy to the client too, that they're, they're being grippy or like, you know, you want someone who's like confident and chill and is just going to do it. And that energy like rubs off in the interaction and it takes practice to get confident on calls, but like, guess what? The more calls you get on, then the more confident you are. And yeah, that like releasing expectation after a call. And like, I like to believe like, if not this, then something better, like just, you know, holding on to that belief makes it so much easier to go into these calls with like calm confidence because it's like dating. Like imagine being on a date with someone and they're all like, like you, like they want the proposal by the end of the date. Like, you know, this is it. And if it's not you, then that's, they're done. And it's like, no, no one wants to be in that energy, you know? Absolutely. And it's almost like you want to get on the call in the mindset of like, I'm as a freelancer, I'm feeling you out as a client. That's why I think the call thing can get so overwhelming. And I recommend that all freelancers get on face-to-face calls because it builds trust. It helps you stand out. I think it's better than doing business over email, but that call shouldn't be like, Hey, I'm going to get on this call and pitch myself. It's going to be like, Hey, I call it a discovery call because I was in sales and that's what we called a discovery call. It's like, you're discovering whether you two are right for one another, not whether you qualify really. Right. Yep. Exactly. They already qualified you based on what they saw online or else they wouldn't be getting on a call with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I like shifting that kind of paradigm too. I try to do that a little in the group. It's like, coming from corporate and it's a bit of a toxic, not bit like toxic agency culture where, you know, the, your leaders are like narcissistic white guys who are just horrible. And like, I was like, this is effed up. Like, it's not, you're not above me because you're, you have this CEO title, like I'm providing a service and that's important. So to try to like, even out that playing field, like with freelancer and client, which is, interesting going from corporate to freelance because there is a hierarchy in corporate, I suppose. So then shifting over to be more equal players, like that helped me with confidence too, to look at my clients more as an equal, as like almost a business partner, you know, what I'm providing you is super valuable. And like, we're peers at this point, like, we're both, you know, I'm providing a service, you're providing me payment for that service. And it just makes it more easy and, and fun. And then, and that's another way to get referrals too, is just be like chill and easy to work with. And then your clients are going to tell their friends to like hit you up too. Yes, for sure. Is there any industry changes you're noticing, like in the freelance copywriting space, things that are shifting trends, you're seeing anything like that? Well, there's obviously Chad GPT. That is all the buzz right now. And I personally love it. (laughs) I love it. I think it is a smart tool for us to embrace and, you know, learn how to use and utilize to our best interest. And what I've found in playing around with ChatGPT is like, I don't feel threatened as a copywriter at all because nothing replaces like the human touch on words and communication, but getting a first draft on paper for me in seconds that I can go in and like craft and finesse and, you know, kind of train this AI to speak in a certain voice and tone. Like, I think that's super valuable and smart and speed to me is a really high, it's a high mark of a good copywriter. Like we can't be super precious about our, the words that we're writing. That's just like, you can go create your own creative project on the side if that's you know your passion but like quick efficient writing is gonna get you more jobs than like taking forever and 
you know, collecting up billable hours. That's like very old school mentality. So yeah, loving chat GPT. If you know how to use it correctly with integrity, obviously I wouldn't just have chat GPT spit something out and then go charge something a bunch for somebody, a bunch of money for it. But as a tool, it's great. I think that shift of seeing freelancers more as like an equal to a client than, you know, someone serving that client is a good trend that I'm seeing a little bit. But yeah, I think the AI chat GPT thing is really the big one right now in our industry. Are you seeing people, other writers? And by the way, I am 100% in agreement with you about using ChatGPT. I find it to be nothing but a tool that is helping me work faster. It's very similar actually to the process of, it literally is just a time condenser because as a copywriter and a content writer, you are already pulling information from other places. This isn't like this imaginative fiction writing process where it's like, I'm going to sit here and think about a story. It's like, no, you're writing informational content or you're writing marketing copy and that needs to come from somewhere. So it almost just takes that process and condenses it and puts it right in like chat format, like Googling. Yeah. Yeah. I remember writing blogs back in the day and I would have like my document open and then I would have like tabs open for five other blogs. Yep. And then I would look at this one, rewrite that paragraph and put it maybe the third bullet point instead of the second one. And then open this one, rewrite that paragraph. It's doing that, but faster. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're never just leaving it as is because the robot is overly formal, has a lot of fluff. Like I would say that's the biggest drawback of AI is that it it seems to not be able to be super succinct. So there's always kind of like that cutting down of like, just make this more punchy or whatever. But do you see writers freaking out about AI? And do you think it's just like fear-based thinking? What are your thoughts on that? I thought I would see more freaking out than I have been, which is refreshing. But anyone who is worried about it, I think is... I don't know. It's going to happen. It's happening. It's like when the algorithm changes, like I just don't waste energy getting mad about an algorithm change because they're always going to keep changing and evolving. Like there's always going to be new technology coming our way. We don't even know what's next. It's going to be something crazy. So like, and we're all going to eventually get used to it. Like, do we even remember what the, like the Instagram feed, or I guess Facebook feed before this one used to look like, like probably not, you know, so you just get used to it. So let's not waste the time getting all fussy about it and just like embrace it and move forward. I guess I could see if someone, maybe a client could feel a little like, eh, like what's going on here. If they were getting all of a sudden work that was clearly written by a robot, like you can't take out that human part of it, but I haven't even heard of anyone doing that. So yeah, I think, I think we're, I think as a whole, us freelance copywriters are taking it with stride. And most people I've seen are embracing it and, yeah. and benefiting from it. Like I made a whole course for my new um, kind of target industry, which is a dance industry, teaching them how to use chat GPT and content repurposing to re- create marketing content, you know? So there's like opportunities there to take chat GPT own it. It's like getting in on the joke, like own it and then start teaching people how to use it. Maybe. For sure. I love that you added that as like a additional service offering because I'm assuming your clients are getting a ton of value out of that because they're just leveraging 
the teaching in their business. Mm-hmm. It's just a little online course, which so just teaches you how to go in there. And then, cause like a lot of dance studios or small businesses or whoever start in a DIY phase of marketing. And so it's one of those entry-level points, entry-level price point, entry-level, you know, depth of knowledge in the course. So yeah, it's fun. That's genius. I love that. Um, okay. Tell me about one-to-one coaching and the work you do with freelancers. I know you have your amazing Facebook group that I'm a part of, and I'm just interested to know about your programs and how you help freelance copywriters. Yeah. So it really just evolved from having the group and the group came when I was working with a business coach and she's like, I think you should start a Facebook group. And I was like, no, I don't think anyone needs another marketing Facebook group. And I was in, I was getting my hair done in the chair and I like made the group. And originally it was content marketing girls club. And then it evolved to copywriting girls club. And then I just got mentioned in another group and that's when it really like took off. And then since then, it's been purely Facebook SEO to grow the group. So if anyone wants a group or you like your clients want a group, lean into that SEO piece of the name of the group, like big time, like be a little creative and cutesy if you want. But if you want to use Facebook SEO, which works really great, I would encourage you to put your keyword in your group name. But anyways, back to one-on-one coaching. So yeah, it's just an extension of the group. I just want to support people with, like I was saying before, how I see this cycle of over-investing time, energy, and money into these skill-based courses, where in my experience, it's really been the mindset, the belief piece that has allowed me to create what I've created in my business. I've had a profitable business since day one, like 50 to 60% profit margins, like those types of things. And just the freedom I experienced with copywriting. And I see like, if someone could make an extra two grand a month copywriting, like that could be so impactful for certain families. So just like a really desire to serve and to open people's perspective into what's possible. So, and I know the psyche of freelancers were a little freelancers. I don't know if you've noticed this, if they're not familiar with coaching or in the coaching space, they're much more resistant and hesitant to invest in like a one, especially a one-on-one coach. Who's not, I'm a business coach, but you're going to get the mindset. You're going to get the energetics mostly. So just to bring more of that energy into the space, because I feel like with freelance copywriting and the courses that are out there now, there's a, it's a lot of like really masculine energy. So I wanted to bring more of the feminine energy into the space and just work with people one-on-one, either a one-off deep dive, one month, three months, or six months. And then my big vision is to evolve that into like a mastermind think take situation, just get like the best of the best together. So we can really elevate the industry, you know, marketing and advertising runs the world. And I feel like if we have more powerful female voices, diversity, all those things in one space, we can really like make big change. So that's the vision right now. One-on-one totally open for meeting with people and chatting with people if they're interested. And there's those different options for like commitment, time commitment. That's awesome. You know, believe it or not, as someone who runs a course, I do get a lot of requests for one-to-one and I don't do it. So I think there really is such a need for that. How do you, how does coaching work? So for those writers out there who are like, Hmm, I know I need help. I don't know. And they resonate with like, Oh yes, that's me. I've been procrastinating by taking the next email copywriting course, which by the way, I see that all the time. It's like, it's this overinvestment in learning the skill of copywriting, which turns out to be not as helpful as anyone thinks it's going to be because what your client wants is going to be different. And 
the mistakes you make and the feedback you get from that client are a hundred times more valuable than a copywriting course. It's why I never took a copywriting course. It was just, okay, learn as you go. If you can emulate what you see online and structure a piece somewhat, the client will give you the feedback. You go back and forth and you learn the skill, right? It's not about like, what copywriting course can I take? It's how do I learn to get clients and put myself out there? So I totally agree with that. So let's say people are on board with that. They're like, yes, I do need to work on the business side of my freelancing and I need the mindset, but I've never worked with a coach. How does this work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to get in that coaching, coaching jargon, like mindset, change your beliefs, blah, blah, blah. But it really is like you work with someone and they're going to reflect back to you what you're giving to them. And they're going to ask you hard questions that you're going to answer yourself. And you're going to come up with these breakthroughs yourself as to why some things aren't sticking and some things aren't working. Like we're going to get into like inner child stuff. So it, it might sound crazy and weird, but perhaps you can't bring in enough money into your business because you have this subconscious fear of money because you had a bad experience in a math class. And so this like small T trauma happened to you and now you're scared of numbers. So like you dig into that side of things. There's also an accountability piece of it where I'm working with someone one-on-one. They know the ins and outs of my business. I'm going to meet with them. This is what helps for me. This is just my personality. I'm an A student people pleaser. I'm working on it, but having that coach, like, yes, I am self-accountable for myself, but having that check-in person to to keep me kind of like going and keeping my vision on the big vision is super, super helpful. And that's kind of what a coach provides too, is that encouragement, the healing part of it. That's at least my piece because I feel like business and personal development is so intertwined. So yeah, it's just working with someone who knows your goals, knows the industry and can reflect back to you what you secretly already know, but that you need to have like emphasized or highlighted um, within you and then helping you to come up with your own solutions and breakthroughs for your business. So it's not like, here's my five-step strategy to reach 10 K in six months. Like that's bullshit. Like if someone tells you that don't believe them, like run away because everyone's different. So, you know, we're going to work through your goals, your, your beliefs, your limiting beliefs, your, you know, your bigger picture, your vision, all this manifestation mindset stuff. That's so powerful, but it's easy to, be stuck in client work, for example, like I just broke free of client work recently and like learning that I'm more valuable, like having some creative energy left for myself because you put so much into your clients. So yeah, having someone reflect back that to you. Yeah. Those are just some things that can happen in coaching. Yeah. I I love it. And the money mindset stuff, I, that's something I'm recently delving into is you really don't realize how much stuff you have around money and talk about like childhood stuff. The, the environment you were raised in really conditions you and can really be holding people back from charging what they are worth. Mm -hmm. I know for me, like, so I'm first generation American and my father is from a country that is extremely poor Poland and came from poverty. And the way that I was raised being this ultra frugal, do it yourself. Like we would never dream of hiring uh, another person to do any work for us. Anybody, anything that was done around my house was done by us. And everything was just being so tight with money. And now as like the first entrepreneurial person in my family, letting go of that stuff has been 
absolutely wild. Like I just hired a house clean, someone to clean my house, which I had never done before because I always thought, well, people who hire people to clean their house are lazy. Like, what are you too good to get down your hands and knees and scrub? Come on, like do it. Mm -hmm. Like I just have so many mentalities around not wanting to pay for stuff because it makes me look lazy and wanting to do everything myself and wanting to get everything for cheap. And you can't be that way. If you want to succeed in this space, you have to have this like abundance mentality or whatever you want to call it and understand that money can come to you more freely. If you stop being so damn cheap, I'm speaking to myself and I'm sure there's people who can relate to this, but like, If you've been raised by an immigrant who does not come from a wealthy country, there is a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's generational. I have Polish lineage too. Probably my great grandpa was like here on the boat. So a couple generations, but there's the Polish lineage. Then there's the Catholic lineage. (laughs) It's just keeps going. And we carry that, especially as women too. Like we carry it like from our, our mothers and our grandmothers. So it's all intertwined. And so that's like what, why coaching is so important to me in business, because it's, it's all connected. And then having someone who knows this specific field, like it's hard to explain how exhausting it is to like write copy all day. It sounds easier sitting there, but like, it's like brain capacity wise, you know, or, or to be able to take criticism, like you put your time and energy into something and then some clients can be brutal, you know, and then to be able to process that and not make it mean anything about you as the human that takes, that takes work. You know, like one of my favorite pieces of like feedback from a client was just straight up. What's wrong with you? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And I was like a young creative at an agency. I was like, I don't know, like what? <laughs> Like that's so mean, but, and it takes work to be able to not to, you know, nothing's wrong with me. Something's wrong with you probably, but I was going to say to give feedback like that, you have to be an absolute savage. So it's, it's what's wrong with them. But yeah, like the feedback part, I honestly feel like that's my worst. That's my biggest area of that's my biggest issue. Like, I swear when I get a Google doc back with all the markups, instead of being excited and being like, okay, what can I change? I'm like, oh, like, what are they going to say now? And I have to constantly remind myself that like, Hey, these edits are making me better. This is the difference between an experienced writer and inexperienced writer is that I'm getting this feedback. And it's so hard to look at all the red lines and be, and not feel offended. Like I'm so overwhelmed every time I get feedback. And I wish I was, I wish I could say that feeling goes away and it's just not yeah. for me. <laughs> No, for me, it's like, you're always, we're human, right? So we're always going to have human reactions to things, but then it's like your rebound time. It's like, how fast can you catch that thought, reframe it, you know, get your energy back up and move on, you know? And that's, that takes a, it takes practice. It's a practice, but it's a worth the practice because why, you know, be pissy for hours when you could just like be mad for a second and then move on with your life. (laughs) Okay. I'll ask you one final question. And then I'm going to ask you how people can get in touch with you and reach out to you for this one-to-one coaching that I know is so needed, but I just have one question about the accountability piece. How do you keep within a coaching container? What does the accountability look like? I know that's what writers are looking for big time in this process is accountability. 
Mm-hmm. For me, it's very client led. Like some people, everyone's going to be different. So let's say you want a Voxer check-in every day. Like, Hey, how are you doing? Or you want to send me your to-do list every day so that I can like follow up with you at the end of the you know day to see how everything went. Or maybe it's just our weekly calls and that's enough of a check-in point for you. So it's really like up to it's a, it's client led depending what they want. I'm not going to make anyone do anything. It's not school, you know, but just having that person who gets it, who is on your side and who can kind of course help you course correct. If you're going to spiral down a certain path or, you know, want help processing a certain decision or picking rates and prices. So yeah, the accountability is really just having that, those eyes who are not even actively, we don't even have to really correspond, but just knowing that like I'm seeing you online or I'm checking up on you via email or on on Voxer Slack, however we decide to communicate, just having that like kind of teammate next to you is such a support. Cause for me, it's easy to like get excited about a project and then just kind of like crash and burn or give up or have shiny object syndrome. So just to have that person to keep you on course and like clear focused on your goals can really help you like start actually moving the needle. And then once you get that first win, then it's the momentum starts going and then you just keep stacking your wins. Love that. And I'm in a program right now. And I, you'd be surprised how that check-in point really does keep you accountable because it's always in the back of your mind, like, oh, so-and-so asked for a status update and I'm going to need to tell them something, whether I met the goal or didn't meet the goal, I need to tell them something. So you'd be surprised how something so simple can really produce massive results, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Okay. Amy, tell writers how they can reach out to you and pursue you. And they want to learn more about your offer and how they could work with you. Yeah, for sure. So Instagram would be your point place. All the links are there. So it's at Amy Leisner, A-M-Y-L-E-I-S-N-E-R. The Facebook group is the Copywriting Girls Club. You can look that up. And then if you want to reach out to like book a discovery call with me. You can just DM me on Instagram or you can email me amy at a18media.com. And yeah, those are the ways. I'm an open book. I mean, find me on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, like all the places. Amazing. Amazing. And definitely check out her Facebook group because I've loved being a part of that, which is, it's just such a great resource to see other writers talking about their concerns and struggles and Yeah, people have been sharing really beautiful stories in there lately. I don't know if you've noticed, but like how they started copywriting or like what it means to them. And so it's like a, it's like a feel good, you know, group and also a place to network and and vent. Like we, we don't have water coolers, you know, we're all like in our own little room. So it's a nice place to just, if you have like to vent about a client or get advice or whatever, like definitely join. Yeah. I, when I'm having a problem, I literally use the search bar and I'm like, client did this. And I see if other people have said that just so I feel more seen and understood. So even if you're not an active participant, just looking at what other people are saying and being a lurker can provide so much value. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Amy, thank you so much. And this episode is going to be super helpful. So thanks for sharing all your wisdom. Of course. Thanks for having me on.